Welcome into this week's edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast alongside SunDevilSource.com publisher Chris Cartman. I'm your host, Kerry Crowley. And Chris, one of the things that we'll be doing this summer on SunDevilSource.com is giving a comprehensive overview of each Arizona State scholarship player. We've already begun our player capsule series. And part of what we're doing is we're evaluating where the Sun Devils stand with each player, with each position group moving forward into the fall. So one of the things that we've decided to do from this is to really take a broader look at how ASU compares to the rest of the Pac-12. We're going to be doing all of this in podcast form this for the rest of this spring and this summer and ranking Arizona State in comparison to the other position groups in the Pac-12. So we're going to get this series kicked off today with essentially a draft of what we think are the top quarterbacks and running backs in the Pac-12. We'll go 1 through 12 for all the schools. We'll switch We'll switch off turns, drafting our players, give our rationales as to why we like those players, why we don't like those players, probably toward the bottom of the draft. But it gives us a good opportunity to provide you with more context overall of where the Sun Devils stand in comparison to their counterparts in the Pac-12 conference. I think this is going to be fun. It's, it's going to allow everyone uh, to see us kind of pull back and look at more of a macro sense of the conference and get a feel for how ASU compares to some of these other schools out there from a talent experience uh, standpoint. So I'm ready to do this. So let's kick things off with our quarterback draft and Last year, I think if we chose any position group in the Pac-12 and said that this was the loaded group, it was the cornerbacks. And you saw that in the NFL draft. I think in 2018, or at the NFL draft, and especially during the 2017 season, there might not be a more loaded group in the conference than the quarterbacks at the very top. I've been calling this murderer's row of quarterbacks that ASU is going to be facing. And uh, that, that, as much as anything sort of speaks to the challenge that ASU's defense has ahead of it this season. And as we go through it, I think that you'll have to agree. So we'll start things off. I won our de facto coin flip, so I will go for the first. That was an actual coin flip. Yeah, it was an actual coin flip. That's true. That's true. Uh, And I will go with the first overall pick. And you look at the guys on the board right now. There's Washington's Jake Browning, Washington State's Luke Falk, UCLA's Josh Rosen. My guy is USC's Sam Darnold at the top of the draft. I have to go with Darnold. He'll be draft eligible after the 2017 season, despite being just a redshirt sophomore this year. 246 for 366 last year, 3,086 yards, 31 touchdowns, and the iconic performance in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. Well, I already have my head in my hands, of course, because as you started to list all the guys that you weren't going to go with, I realized that you were going to pick Sam Darnold, (laughs) who, of course, was also my uh, first uh, person on my board at the quarterback position. I love him. I especially love him considering uh, he's probably going to get a lot better than he was last year. And that's what you're projecting, obviously, when you make that type of a pick. We're going to see great play from Luke Falk and Jake Browning and others, but uh, but Sam Darnold is a very special X-factor type of a, a, a college quarterback and uh, awful lot of fun to watch because of his versatility and a lot of the things that he does. So I, I totally understand that. You're on the clock now. I uh, well, I'm not going to use much of that clock. <laughs> I'm not going to wait for any trades. This is or, not like the NFL draft. And nobody's calling my phone right now. And I'm, I'm going to go with Luke Falk. I think Heck. I think I think Luke Falk. Um, is great at what he is. I think he's a, f- a fantastic system quarterback there in the Washington State system. I mean, he's not very interception prone for um, 
for throwing the ball 70, 80 times a game at, at times and uh, very experienced, knows exactly what he's looking at with all these defenses in the league, probably as well as anybody in that in that regard. And I also think that he projects to being a possible first-round NFL pick, which also is good about him. You have to say that he projects to be a possible first-round NFL pick at this point after the 2016 NFL draft when Jared Goff, an air raid quarterback, went number one overall. In 2017, Pat Mahomes goes number 10 overall, I believe, to the Kansas City Chiefs. They traded all the way up to get him. And I like Mahomes, Falk more than Mahomes, Exactly, personally. yeah. I mean, I think he's right there with Davis Webb. There were some throws that Falk made last year that – just blew my mind in that Washington State offense. Some incredible touch on his passes. 38 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. So he's off the board His now. accuracy down the field is pretty special. Yeah. So with the third overall pick in our quarterback's draft, I'm going to go with the Heisman Trophy semifinalist, <laughs> Jake Browning. Not a bad backup uh, to Sam Darnold. Browning, 243 for 341 last season. Uh, great with ball security. 43 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Executes that Chris Peterson off really well he was a prolific quarterback at the high school level in Folsom High wasn't really on the quarterback circuit in terms of the elite 11 stuff didn't go to a lot of camps but Jake Browning was a guy who Chris Peterson zeroed in on early when he was at Boise State and then was able to get him up to Washington and that was in my opinion a great program defining recruit for Chris Peterson I like I like uh, Jake Browning a lot because he just is an executor. He's going to get the ball exactly where it needs to be within your system. Um, it really absorbs coaching and executes. He doesn't have the same pro ceiling as probably four or five other guys on that are on this list, if not more. Uh, but um, he also had some of the best tools to work with and personnel at Washington, but I totally understand. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he does when he doesn't have a John Ross. Well, he still has Chico McClatcher and Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis. And Miles Gaskin. Yeah, so he's got plenty of weapons. That's, yeah. that's And true. one of the best young tackles in the Pac-12 in Trey Adams. Absolutely. So. Well, our, our, our top three is, is uh, not, not really a surprise. We didn't know this, but that I have the same three as you. Mm-hmm. I think now it's where it kind of gets interesting. And uh, I'm actually going to go. Oh, wow. With, I'm going to go with Justin Herbert from Oregon. I figured you might. Let's go. That's my backup. Um, look, look, this guy was a freshman last year. He had all kinds of turmoil going on in Oregon. And yet he still had a really good season for a first year player. Right. He had a 19 to four touchdown to interception mm-hmm. rate through for nearly 2000 yards. I think he's big, strong, physical, good arm. Um, he's an NFL quarterback that's in the making and maybe even a first round pick down the line considering he's only going to be a sophomore this year I look for him to really break out he flew under the radar as well during the recruiting process local kid from the state of Oregon grew up a Ducks fan yeah and was essentially picked to be the backup to Dakota Prukop last season it was his only the transfer his only Pac-12 offer I believe when yeah. he committed to Oregon and he goes in there and kind of lights the world on fire on offense at least while the Ducks struggled in every other facet of the game so you imagine if Willie Taggart can surround him with a better supporting cast that Herbert can really fly up draft charts well, they, uh, in the coming years. They started three or four uh, retro freshman offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So that's just going to continue to build and improve also. So the guy who I thought you were going to take at four is the guy that I will take at five. And I already see you shaking your head. It's Josh Rosen from UCLA coming off a pretty him. brutal injury. I will take Josh Rosen. I've liked this guy since his freshman season. He was, what, the top overall recruit in the country to UCLA and Jim Mora. Uh, there's a lot going on with Josh Rosen. There's a circus with, with him. And 
you're going to get that <laughs> in a hot tub in yeah. his dorm room. There's a hot tub in his dorm room. There's political statements being made whenever he he leaves the house. <laughs> He's the the son of two like I think litigators or something like that. I'm pretty it, sure he yeah. has a Black Lives T-shirt on right now. <laughs> yeah. I, so Josh Rosen is my guy with the fifth overall pick. 1915 yards, ten touchdowns, five interceptions last season. But of course, he was limited due to injury. Karan Crump had that devastating hit on him in the ASU UCLA game that knocked him out. And uh, I like Rosen. I like the tools. And I think that if he has a solid junior season this year, that he could once again find himself in the conversation as a top 10, top 15 pick in next year's NFL draft. Well, uh, my next pick, I think maybe could be a a little bit of a diversion from the order that we had so far, because I had Rosen also after Justin Herbert. But uh, I like Steven Montez. That's my guy. That's yeah. my guy. I yeah. like Steven Montez. And and I especially like him when he's throwing the ball to the trio wide receivers that he has to work with there at Colorado that I would say is maybe the top wide receiver group. Uh, and that's foreshadowing what my what my pick might be. Yeah. But um but I love those I love I love those guys. I think that he is very similar to the quarterback that he's replacing in Cephalufau. Um, it just doesn't have the experience component, but he, he's able to execute the the totality of their offense there. And he'd be probably a little bit too interception prone, a little bit uh, uh, balls in jeopardy. But I like what he's going to be down the line. I think Steven Montez is a very solid player. Montez last year in spot duty for Cepho Lufau when he was hurt. Uh, 83 for 140, 1,078 yards, nine touchdowns, five interceptions. And kind of like Justin Herbert, I believe Colorado was Montez's only Pac-12 offer. He was from El Paso, I think. Very lightly recruited yeah. at El Paso. And yeah. Mike McIntyre loved him. And they had an opportunity early in the season to bring Sefo Lufau back when he still wasn't 100%, but he was able to play, and they stuck with Montez. Yeah, because he was playing really well, and they felt like we, we can allow Lufau to get more time to recover. So Montez is off the board, and this is the moment where I think we could really start straying from one another on the draft chart. I thought that last pick. Yeah. Well, I went with or you went with Montez. I would have gone with Montez. Uh, right now with this pick, I'm going with the quarterback who wins the Arizona State job. Okay. I'm going with Manny Wilkins or Blake Barnett ahead of Troy Williams of Colorado, or excuse me, of Utah, who was next on my board. I think there's higher upside with Wilkins and Barnett, either of the two quarterbacks. I don't trust Williams a whole lot in terms of ball security and accuracy. And I think that if what we saw from Manny Wilkins last year at the beginning of the season is a sign, then I think that there's room for improvement this year. And that could happen in Billy Napier's offense. Maybe it doesn't happen at the very beginning of the season, but I'm comfortable taking him in the middle of the Pac-12 right now if he is the guy. Or if Blake Barnett beats him out, I'm even more comfortable with that because it means that there will be a higher level of play because he already beat out an incumbent starter. I was sort of torn here. I I was definitely down between the two schools that you mentioned. Uh, The the, the ASU quarterback situation is probably a a little bit better than Utah because you have two guys. If Manny Wilkins beats out um Blake Barnett that means that probably he's he's doing pretty well right mm-hmm. so so I I get it Troy Williams though you know uh he was sixth last year in passing yard average per game through 15 touchdowns uh definitely you know needs to improve the touchdown interception ratio 15 to 8 Manny Wilkins was 12 to 9 though which mm-hmm. is which, which is la- which is worse um Manny Wilkins threw through 
um, the ball a little more accurately, 63% of his completions. Troy Williams only uh, 53%. That's a problem. Accuracy, as you said, Kerry, is a real issue with Troy Williams and also putting the ball in jeopardy. Uh, both of those guys can make plays with their feet and have that mobility. I think it's a very close toss-up. I'm going to obviously take Troy Williams there. So he's your next pick. Troy Williams is yeah, your guy. After so the after the, after the ASU The guys. ASU quarterbacks... I will take them at six. So you go Troy Williams at seven, and I'm going to go with another quarterback competition that is unsettled at eight. But I'll take either of these two starter starting quarterbacks over the rest of the Pac-12 conference, and that is the Stanford quarterbacks, Keller Christ or K.J. Costello. Keller Christ couldn't beat out Ryan Burns for much of last year, which isn't exactly the vote of confidence you want to see from David Shaw and the Stanford coaching staff. But he is the son of an NFL coach in Jeep Christ. He's been labeled a, a quarterback his whole life. He's been brought up to study defenses and know where he's going with the football. And so if he's beat out by K.J. Costello, who is a Santa Margarita quarterback, one of the top quarterbacks in the country out of Southern California, I think Stanford will be in good shape. And I think that that offense will move the ball no matter what because there's always strong line play uh, on David Shaw's squads. Right. And that's that's who I would have had next also. And uh, so now we're down to just like the last three here. And we've got... Let's see, Arizona, Oregon State, and Cal left on the board. Correct. I'm going to go with Arizona. And the reason is because uh, I've been on this podcast before, you know, a number of times saying that I think that the the system that they run there in Arizona is kind of dangerous for quarterbacks. Kind of. Yeah, like a lot dangerous. And and uh, they don't have like a true quarterback per se. But Brandon Dawkins, if you look at what he did last year, of, out of all the players in the league, uh, he had about as, as good of a yard per carry average as anybody, 7.2 yards per carry. He averaged 94.4 yards rushing, which is a lot. That's like fourth place in the league in rushing. And then he also threw for, um, what did he throw for? Over, a little over 1,000 yards, I believe. 1,350-ish mm-hmm. yards. So you talk about yards from scrimmage. He threw for eight touchdowns, six interceptions. I mean, he has the ability to to uh, you know be, be a be a high yard per uh, game guy from scrimmage like 240 or so yards from from, from scrimmage and, and maybe he's able to sort of refine some of the things that that put him in a better position from as a thrower and I think that uh, the, the Arizona staff can do a better job of making sure that he's that he's uh, well positioned for success so even though he's you know toward the bottom of the list, for what they do, I don't really mind Brandon Dawkins. So that leaves us with Oregon State's quarterback situation and Cal's quarterback situation. For you don't want either, folks. 11 and 12. I'll go with Oregon State. Marcus McMayiron last year. I'll be honest. I didn't watch much Oregon State football. I didn't watch one, one full game. I was we, we had initially planned to do a Pac-12 overview on this podcast. And what I wrote for Oregon State was, ask Chris if he can name one offensive player. <laughs> Um, yeah, I could have named their running back, but that's it. Like, <laughs> exactly. Who do they have any receiver? I don't no, know. No, they don't. So then I, that's it. And, and 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 you know, like ASU didn't play Oregon State. Mm-mm. We haven't been familiar with the program in two years. Haven't had to be, and ASU won't play them until November yeah. of this year. All all of our time is spent watching the teams that ASU is going to play coming up. Mm-hmm. When you're not actually covering the game, so. Yeah, we saw the least of Oregon State, but I, I, I get that. I yeah, mean, so McMahon last year was 10 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, ended up winning the job, 1,286 yards, young guy, and I think Gary Anderson's doing a decent job at that school. I think that mm-hmm. they were able to raise $46 million for a new facility. It's not the easiest place to coach in the Pac-12. It's, in fact, one of the very most 
difficult. Yeah, you don't really want to go from Wisconsin to Oregon State. No. Uh, but uh, Gary that, Anderson did. That's another. That's a whole other story, yeah. though. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I, I I get the the Cal quarterbacks right. Yeah, Ross Lucky, Bowers and Chase Forrest. Lucky me, right? So whoever the, wins so, the job. So Justin Wilcox, the new Cal coach, said that those guys are kind of battling. Uh, there's no winner that's been um, you know announced between the two of them. The people on the ground there seem to like Bowers' potential more. He's got a bigger arm. Um, he's kind of a aloof kind of a personality type and uh, has a lot of cockiness and maybe like a Josh Rosen in that in that sort of respect. Uh, whereas Forrest, uh, Forrest is an older guy who's not not as physically impressive, but he's going to kind of more dink and duck you down the field. And, and um, you know, obviously, since this is my sixth string quarterback, they're probably not going to see. <laughs> probably not going to see. Unless the field they're in Arizona State or Arizona, they won't see the yeah, field. Yeah, at ASU, they might have gotten to like second or third string. <laughs> Yeah. So one thing I will say about uh, Ross Bowers and Chase Forrest in that Cal situation is they're going from Sonny Dykes, a uh, coordinator who ran the air raid, to Bo Baldwin, who had a lot of success at Eastern Washington, had a number of guys drafted, was Vernon Adams coach there. I think that Bo Baldwin can actually do a lot for for that program, and that's a great hire by Justin Wilcox. Fascinating to see how this works out. You know, From a talent standpoint, they're definitely... Uh, not nearly there on the offensive side of the ball. They may be a little bit better on, on defense, but uh, they'll be hard-pressed to make a bowl game this year. But uh, looking forward to seeing just kind of how that looks schematically. So to recap our quarterback rankings for the Pac-12 through our draft process, I had the first overall pick, went with Sam Darnold of USC. Then Chris took Luke Falk of Washington State. I back that up with Jake Browning going third in the draft out of Washington. Chris goes with the sophomore Justin Herbert out of Oregon. I went with the chosen one, Josh Rosen, at fifth overall. Chris goes Steven Montez at sixth. Then ASU hears its name called the quarterback situation there. Manny Wilkins or Blake Barnett presumably will win the ASU job. I took those two passers seventh. Chris goes Troy Williams eighth. I again went with a quarterback competition. Keller Christ and KJ Costello battling it out at Stanford at nine. Chris goes with Brandon Dawkins at 10. I took Marcus McMayiron of Oregon State at 11. And Chris takes the final quarterback competition. Chase Bowers or Ross Bowers and Chase Forrest at Cal at 12. So now Chris. Chris, we will move on to the running backs in the Pac-12. We'll do two position groups in each of these Pac-12 preview episodes. So after quarterbacks, where I went first, you are on the clock with the first overall pick for the running back groups. Oh, yeah. Here we go. And and by the way, this is this is a lot tougher, I think. Going, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Going, going through this. But I, I think I'm going to probably take the USC situation with Ronald Jones, um, you know, as all league player last year, I think he gives you the, I think he gives you the most overall balance as a, as a running back, you know, obviously very experienced, uh, rushed for over a thousand yards last year, 12 touchdowns. Um, and he's, he's a, you know, dynamic weapon, obviously. So I'm going to go. And then, you know, USC always has like three or four backs and they got plenty of Who's the, who's the guy they signed who ASU wanted to, to have visit in January? Stephen Carr. Oh yeah. Stephen yeah, Carr, Stephen the local Carr. kid from Fontana. Yeah, he's going to be, he's like, a five-star yeah. guy too. So he'll be thrown right in there and, and, and be a, probably a, a two-headed monster with Ronald Jones. So, so I'm like Aka Cedric Ware in that backfield. Yeah, he's like he's talented. He's like the, your third guy probably. Yeah. So so there you go. I mean, yeah, Stephen Karf. Oh my gosh, he was good. So I'm going to go with USC. I, I will say this. I actually had USC third on my draft board. 
And so now I've got a tough pick at two because I was torn between which situation I liked better between a pair of teams from the Pacific Northwest. Can I guess which of the two? It's got to be Oregon and Washington. Exactly. Yeah. And because I'm a Royce Freeman apologist, I'm going to take the Ducks with the second overall pick because they've got Royce Freeman who's coming off of injury. He's just powerful. Everything you want in a Pac-12 back. He's a hoss. He's he's in the mold of that LeGarrette Blunt, LaMichael James nonstop. You just can't. You can't contain the Oregon like backs when they were when they were at their best, and I think Royce Freeman is the next in line there, and has been the next in line. And then Tony Brooks James as his backup as well. I think he had over 700 yards last season. Yeah, was talented for the Ducks, and so as far as a backup goes, I like Tony Brooks James as well. So that will be my my pick, my first overall pick, the second overall pick in the running back chart. Speed guy on the edge. I had it uh, USC one, Oregon two, Washington third. Mm-hmm. I get Miles Gaskin. That's pretty awesome. You know, I wouldn't mind having a Miles Gaskin and Ronald Jones be my running backs. Obviously, Gaskin was a workhorse, right? Two hundred thirty-seven carries. That's got to be right at the top. Uh, he had uh, thirteen hundred seventy-three yards, uh, ten touchdowns. They also have Levon Coleman, who mm-hmm. I mean, they like they they had Levon Coleman's sneaky good. Yes, very. I think he's uh, I think he's potent guy, and and so he had eight fifty-two. I mean, that's like two guys that got pretty close to that uh, one thousand yard threshold you look collectively at what they did as a group Gaskin was second to only Christian McCaffrey at the running back position last year in the league and then LaVon Coleman was was just outside the top 10 in in yards per game with 60 uh, about 61 yards per game so I I think that's a very good situation by the way he had uh, Coleman had 7.5 yards per carry that's just tremendous how crazy is this it was 2015 when Christian McCaffrey's name was thrown around for the Heisman, he really wasn't a factor in the Heisman race much in 2016. No. He had 47 more rushing yards per game than anyone else in the conference last year. Miles Gaskin was second at 98 yards per game. Christian McCaffrey was first at 145.7 two, yards per game. Two, two factors, I think. Uh, number one is that it was a slower start to the season. Much McCa- slower. And McCaffrey just like lit it up late in the season. And then, and then the other thing is that a lot of that comes down to your team success. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're not, uh, you know, a, a conference champion or competing for that very closely, uh, you really have no chance to be a Heisman Trophy winner. That's why Jake Browning was in the conversation last year. Exactly. Even though he he wasn't lighting the world on fire in terms of his yards, he was you know average in that. But he threw a lot of touchdowns, managed the game for a Washington offense that scored a lot of points. So he found his name in there. What what round did McCaffrey go? McCaffrey was the eighth overall pick. Eighth overall. Eighth overall to the Carolina Panthers. I, I forgot. I, for some reason. Who also took Curtis Samuel in like the second round out of Ohio State, which is just redundant. Yeah. Okay. That That's right. It slipped my mind whether he was first or second round. But the, the point I was trying to make is um, where, where do you think Jake Browning ends up getting drafted? Oh, well. It, does he get drafted? That's a that's a big question because he's got there's arm strength questions with Jake Browning. Big time. So so the, the, the point is, is that. Uh, the Stanford takes a huge step back. McCaffrey isn't even a, a, a Heisman Trophy winner, but he's eighth overall, whereas Jake Browning is a Heisman Trophy finalist, and yet he might not even be drafted when his time comes. Shows the huge difference between the skill sets that are needed in college football and in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position where there's no greater discrepancy. Right. So moving on to the fourth overall pick, and I think this is really where things are going to get interesting. We, we, all have the, we both have the same set of three teams at the top, USC, Oregon, and Washington in some form or another. With the fourth overall pick, 
I am actually going to probably reach here and take Arizona State's backfield of Demario Richard, Kalen Balaj, and Nick Ralston. I know that it's a bit of a reach, but I think that in Billy Napier's offense it can work, and I like Arizona State's offensive line this year a lot more than I did last year. It's, I, a, it's a slight reach probably just given some of the production that's uh, that's been there on the board with a couple other guys, but then you keep in mind what those guys did as a sophomore, especially Demario Richard, and I, I understand it. I, I also I'm not in love with the rest of the conference's backs this year. There's so many great backs that I like each year in college football, especially uh, lately down in the SEC, and I just don't think the Pac-12 is producing the same quality of back. Yeah, well, that's that's reasonable. I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of torn here with my pick, and I think you know the two teams I'm torn between. Uh, but I'm going to go with Oregon State and, and Ryan Hall. I think, Interesting. I think I think you have to. He he had eye-opening production last year. You look at. Uh, Oregon State's team was terrible in the first half of the year. They got better and better as the season progressed. Maybe the, the most improved overall uh, in the league. When you just look at the, the results, I didn't spend a lot of time watching them. But but uh, but right now, was third in the league in in rushing yards per game, ninety five yards per game. Um, he had a six point five yard per carry average, nine hundred fifty one yards overall rushing. And 13 touchdowns, which was tied for the second most of all the running backs in the league. And I just feel like you got to respect that guy. I was only a sophomore. They're they're very early in what they're trying to do. And and probably he'll only uh, improve from there. So our first five picks in the running back draft so far, USC, Oregon, Washington, ASU, and Oregon State. And I think I'm going to take your next team off the board here. And it's still somewhat of a speculative pick because he doesn't have a whole lot of carries under his belt at the college level. I chose ASU fourth because I like the combination of Demario Richard and Kalen Balaj. I'm choosing Stanford sixth because I like what Bryce Love did last year. 111 carries for 783 yards, over seven yards a carry, only three touchdowns. But there's explosiveness, there's speed there. And Cameron Scarlett has some potential as his backup as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's... The, the pick I would have made also you have to think about how much of that is is system uh, production at Stanford just because of what they've been able to do schematically and with their offensive line uh, but I like it you know and um, let's see my next pick we're like hit, hitting the halfway mark here right so it was a lot easier to do quarterbacks much easier I totally agree I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna take Lindsay, Philip Lindsay in Colorado. Yeah, that was. I have a toss up between Colorado and the team that I'll take here, but let, let's hear the rationale for Lindsay. Well, you know, when we scouted Colorado in advance of that ASU game this year, I just, I remember like just watching Lindsay and saying, hey, there's nothing flashy or, you know, all that physically impressive about the guy. He's kind of a little bit of an undersized uh, back, but man, the guy has an incredible motor plays really really hard he he's uh he's physical for his size he gets yards after contact he has vision he just he has a lot he's just a natural back and then he and then he had a monster performance against asu uh one of the best on the season against a team that otherwise did reasonably well against the run uh maybe that influences me to some degree but you look at what Lindsay accomplished um, he was one of only four guys who were over a thousand yards rushing last year. He had a 5.1 yard average, which shows you that he was a little bit more of a workhorse than he was a, a high yard per carry guy, but 16 touchdowns led the league. He was good inside, uh, the goal line situations and, and, uh, 
I'd be more than happy to have him on my team as a as a down the line guy. Yeah, I became a fan of Philip Lindsay that night when they when they beat ASU just because of the passion that he played with. He he's uh-huh. like you said, not flashy, doesn't have any standout skills that make you say wow, but I, I do like those aspects from Philip Lindsay. So Colorado off the board with the seventh overall pick, the eighth overall pick. I'll take the trio of backs from Washington State, Jamal Morrow, Gerard Wicks. Who's my third guy there? Is it Jamal Williams? Is that James Williams? James James Williams. Williams. All three of those backs have between 480 and 580 yards last season. 22 rushing touchdowns as a trio, and all three of those backs can catch the ball out of the backfield. And the Washington State offense, you need to be able to do that. They're all solid guys. Yeah, the the pirate doesn't care about getting one guy all the glory as a running back. All three of them look the same on the field. They really do. (laughs) It's the most redundant skill set. It's funny that you say that because I, I, I had a a hard time keeping track of him when I scouted that game. <coughs> Absolutely. Pardon me. So, um, okay. So next on my list, I'm bringing it up here. I'm going to go actually with Nick Wilson in Arizona. Uh, the guy only played five games last year, four games the year before that. He's been injury prone, but when he's been out there, he, he's got a good combination of power and, and quickness and speed. And he has good, uh, productivity. And I, th- I think he's solid. I don't know who their backup is. Zach Green. Oh yeah, Zach. He's Green. not bad. He's not bad either. So yeah, I, I, I feel like okay about 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 those that situation. Yeah, my next pick is. I haven't been impressed with his production at all. It's at terrible UCLA. right now. And it's so so Jamabo. Yeah. And Nate, followed by Nate Starks, who actually outrushed Jamabo last season. Uh, Jamabo came out of high school as a one of the top running back prospects in the country. I believe he was a Texas high school back and just hasn't done much for the Bruins, but no one's going to do much for UCLA in the system that they were running under Kennedy Palomalu and Jim Mora. Like we mentioned with the quarterbacks, it was holding back uh, Josh Rosen and Mike Fawful. And uh, yeah, Soso Jambo, I like his skill set. I, I liked him coming out of high school as a recruit, so I'll take him wherever we are in the draft. I think I, we're ten. I think he's a yeah a tenth pick. I think I think he he looks the part, mm-hmm. and then he doesn't really necessarily run that physically. He doesn't really have great vision or feel. Um, you know, kind of will will uh, uh, be a little clumsy in get, uh, getting into blockers, and um, so 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 while you think okay, athletically he has it. There's just some natural football stuff that that's missing there, and um, and that's why he he dropped so far. So, um, at the risk of being uh, blasphemous, I can't have Utah fall to the 12th spot. <laughs> so you're taking literally I, nothing on yes. Utah's depth chart ahead I, of Cal Stray Watson. I don't even know who their <laughs> running backs are, and I'm taking them because I bet you that they're going to end up. Actually, they'll, they'll be fine. They're, 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 that's their style, you know. They're, they're going to end up not even that bad. And and, and uh, so they have Devontae Henry Cole, right? Yeah. Um, and he had a, apparently, you know, pretty decent spring. Zach Moss uh, was out there. And, 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 you know, last year, let's remember, they they had they had four guys get hurt. They bring they bring a back out of retirement who then goes on to have like the best November of anybody in the league at the position. And so I just, I just, uh, on principle alone, I can't allow Utah to fall to 12th in the league. They go from Devontae Booker to Joe Williams to, there's got to be someone next is the theory. 
Yeah, that's the theory. Yeah, it's. I don't even know. Maybe they have a freshman coming who's really yeah. good. Uh, who knows? But Joe Williams was the guy last year who came out of retirement. Right now, it looks like Devonta Henry Cole and Zach Moss are the two guys for Utah. They did lose four offensive linemen to the NFL draft, which was about as impressive as any NFL draft. Top offensive of tackle. Of, yeah, Garrett Bowles going yeah. to uh, going to the Broncos at twenty. And so that leaves me with Cal's Trey Watson and his backup, Patrick Laird. Watson last season, 143 carries, 709 yards, four touchdowns. He'll take over as the feature back. Kalfani Muhammad, I liked him a little bit as the air raid style back in that system. But Watson was a guy who uh, turned a few heads last season. I like what he can do. Not not too big in that backfield, but you didn't need to be in the air raid offense. So it'll be interesting to see how he hits uh, or how he fits in Bo Baldwin's system. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, that speaks to where Cal's at offensively, kind of being early in their process and obviously not going to be that far along at, at some of the skill positions. So to recap, Chris had the first overall pick in our running back draft, took Ronald Jones, Aka Cedric Ware, and USC. I went with the second overall pick, Royce Freeman, Tony Brooks James with the uh, second overall pick. Then Chris went Miles Gaskin and Washington. Uh, I came back with a bit of a reach, Demario Richard and Kalen Balaj at four. Chris goes Ryan Nall of Oregon State at five. I went Bryce Love at six. Chris goes Philip Lindsay in Colorado at seven. I took the trio of backs at Washington State at eight. Chris goes Nick Wilson in Arizona at nine. I go UCLA led by Soso Jamvo at 10, 11. You took Utah and no one. And then 12, I took <laughs> Cal and Trey Watson. Yeah. So that rounds out our running back rankings. Kind of an underwhelming uh, overall group at, at running back, especially when contrast against the, the quarterbacks, right? Um, and there'll be some young guys emerge. Running back is that position where guys who haven't played hardly at all, the freshmen or sophomores or retro freshmen, they have the ability to come out and make a really big impact. And all of a sudden, everybody knows about who they are. Well, we won't be doing these Pac-12 power rankings and drafts for each week uh, in the next six weeks, but we will get to all of these by the end of the summer. A lot to look forward to and really to put into context where ASU falls uh, in terms of Pac-12 rankings and right, strengths. Right, so where did we have, just let's, just let's just put a finer point on that. Where mm-hmm. did we have ASU for? Quarterbacks, I drafted them seventh. Uh-huh, and running backs? I drafted them fourth. Right. So I was a little higher on You're the, bullish. Uh, yeah. You're bullish on that ASU? Uh, well, I don't know if I'm bullish on ASU at quarterback. I'm just not bullish on the rest of the conference. At running back, I am. I was trying I was trying to make you <laughs> resonate with ASU fans a little bit better. But okay. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, I, I think I think that's honestly I think that's very fair. Yeah, overall, and um, and maybe ASU's running backs hear this and 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 they'll that'll give them a little bit extra motivation yeah. because they have uh, a lot of uh, confidence in themselves as they should, right? I mean, you kind of need that to, in order to be very successful. So that will do it for this week's episode of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast for SunDevilSource.com publisher Chris Cartman. I'm your host Kerry Crowley. Thanks so much for tuning in this week.